Hey everybody, welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff, and I'm joined, as always, by my good pals Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. You know, tis the season, you might be uh, at your home watching movies, catching up on shows you might have missed, binging a one thing after another on the uh, one dozen streaming services that you're paying for now that uh, cable has been unplugged, but uh, you might be watching some entertainment and you might be noticing plot holes. And that is the topic we're going to talk about this week. I think Richard thought it up. I did. And um, I was, I believe I was watching a movie that one, that was on this list recently. In fact, it was one and it's one that we'll talk about. Okay. And I thought, Huh. That's a pretty bad plot hole. <laughs> and that just got me thinking about other movies with plot holes and you kind of go down a rabbit hole online. So thought it'd be a good topic for us to hit. Absolutely. We'll uh we'll request that you post when this is uh posted on linked on Facebook or Instagram, you post your most glaring pot plot holes, not potholes, plot holes. Uh you can take photos of potholes too. Or potholes, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. Can, we'll send it over to the to the Department of uh, Public Works. And yeah, we can. <laughs> we're like on your side. Yeah, don't Mount tell Rushmore us... on your side. Oh yeah, we're the, the uh, civil. Um, well, I forget what they what do they call those in the news? The <laughs> consumer <laughs> advocate. Consumer advocate. Yeah, don't post the uh, location. Let let us guess. Let us mm-hmm. guess where it is. So uh, Richard thought it up. So Michael starts with his first plot hole. Okay, I'm uh, I'm going to set the record straight. I don't notice anything. Like when I'm watching movies and like, uh, it all makes sense to me. Like, yeah. even if it doesn't make sense, I like, I'm not um, so keen to be like, you know, I don't know yeah. about that. I just accept whatever's in front of me. And it's like, yeah. and if someone points it out after the fact, I'm like, huh, yeah. I, oh, okay. Well, still. Alrighty. Yeah. yeah. But my first one, uh, the Karate Kid. Okay. Uh, at the end of the Karate Kid, Daniel LaRusso kicks Johnny in the face with the crane kick. Yeah. Music swells. Everyone cheers. It's the greatest thing in the world. This kid has overcome uh, a damaged leg, come back from all this adversity. Like, But like 10 minutes uh, before and throughout the entire match, the judge at the karate competition is warning people that like blows to the face kicks to the face are illegal and literally he ends the movie like kicking this kid in the face (laughs) what did that like if they had never mentioned like blows to the face are illegal this would have been amazing because like all the other stuff like would have made sense right like like the sweeping the leg maybe that's an illegal thing that they do or you know doing the big elbow thing like all these little things but it just happened to be the one thing that this dude does that is like the big secret karate move. And and then the judge is like, okay, well, you win. It's like, oh, okay, well, huh. Yeah, Let's... but the other guy was an asshole. So rules don't, those rules don't count with him. I didn't read, I didn't see like sub subsection B of the kick yeah. to the face rules. Like yeah. In parentheses or like, you know, when they do that little A in the parentheses uh-huh. or and then under the a there's like the little i and all the little down there it's like is he please blonde con- is he a dick oh, please consult your local all valley karate championship rule yeah <laughs> but it's like it's not something that ruins the movie it's not something that's like it's just like what but you, what, you just don't have you didn't have to say anything you literally just no one is watching the movie going like 
Oh, well, that's an illegal kick to the face. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting aspect because karate is something that, you know, I grew up with an awareness on, but the rules therein, you know, that's when a movie kind of creates its own. Yeah, its own world, its own rules, its own this, own that, and I what I love about what you just brought up is that's the plot hole that spurred three seasons of a of a series. Essentially, you know, mm. William Zabka, uh, his character saying it was an illegal kick. Oh, what? <laughs> I, see, I haven't I haven't seen Cobra yeah. Kai. Is that like? Yeah, I, I love I love I love that now. Johnny, Johnny, <laughs> if, yeah, yeah. He, it's kind of the the foundation of it. Like, here's this guy's life has been destroyed. Because this cultish, you know, karate school leader or yeah. whatever uh, was ordering them to do all these Ill- illegal things, like sw- uh, sweeping the leg wasn't illegal, but uh, he, he was to say he was injured. <laughs> Probably it was illegal that he was allowed to to continue. But yeah, that's the kind of the heart of it is that Johnny Johnny's this one going. I'm the dick here. <laughs> like this guy kicks me in the face. Oh, I love illegal that. Kick. I um, love that. That's so and great. it's kind of at the core of. Um, a little bit of Johnny LaRusso, yeah, Johnny LaRusso, Daniel De- Daniel LaRusso's character is that uh, uh, whatever the amount of fame, and I know we're off topic here, it's about the plot hole, whatever amount of fame he got for that um, ridiculously over-recognized karate match, <laughs> because, you know, who has ever been to a karate match? I don't know. I've barely Your parents. Been to like, yeah, That's parents. It. Your parents go to the karate match. Yeah. It's definitely gone to his head, and he's kind of been dining off that for Three three decades since. That's but, funny. Yeah. That Look, ever so since funny. they shut down the cockfighting in the That's valley, right. That's people right. have to bet on something. Yes. Oh. <laughs> it's got to be karate. Okay. Well, that's a fun one to come out with. And that does bring up what the heck plot holes are. And I think uh, there is obviously um, a suspended um, disbelief that happens in, in storytelling and films are no different. And, you know, things don't happen in real time. There are things that uh, in movies, there are things that we have to kind of take for granted that happened in out off frame or, and that they're okay that we didn't see them, but yeah. But sometimes I think when it betrays a certain amount of truth that we expect, that's when it leaves you going, something's missing here. They didn't, uh, they didn't address that. Like we're not, we're not the people who watch the Roadrunner and coyote and say, man, he could never survive that fall right. you know, because you're not having any fun anymore. So that does, make me question what the heck is a plot hole exactly it's just something it's a bridge too far it's something that was missing that we just can't kind of uh live without so well to, to bridge to my first topic awesome um i think there are plot holes that are continuity errors where something was brought like like this the, the karate kid one that's a continuity error mm-hmm. somebody brought you created a rule and then you broke your own rule or you've established something in the movie and then later on something happens that goes against that mm-hmm then I think there are plot holes that, that just up in the entire fabric of a movie itself. Yeah. Where it's like, well, those, are the, those are the ones that for me are the ones that can take you out of the movie a little bit. Mm. Mm-hmm. And this first one is the one that originally got me thinking about this topic uh, is when we went to the Hollywood Bowl to go see Back to the Future. Oh. Yeah. And time travel movies are just perennially rife with potential plot holes it's just so so many balls in the air that you have to juggle i think to try and keep everything straight but there's a bigger fundamental issue that i have with back to the future and that is how do marty's parents not recognize him when he gets to be 16 17 years old and he looks exactly like that stranger 
who came into town for a couple of weeks and set them <laughs> up and that she was in love with and that became George's mm-hmm. temporary best friend and did and played Johnny B. Good at the uh, Enchantment Under the Sea prom. Mm-hmm. How do they not look at him and go, that looks a lot like Calvin Klein. I hmm. mean, a lot like Calvin Klein. Mm-hmm. Just seems odd to me. Is this in the f- in the sequel? No, Sorry. this is in the first one. Just the, okay. Just the just the whole concept of he goes back in time as Marty, seventeen years old, however old mm-hmm. he's supposed mm-hmm. to be, mm-hmm. and interacts with his parents, and then you know, thirty however many years later, his parents don't look at that kid and go. That looks exactly like our friend Calvin Klein. Mm-hmm. Not just a little bit, but yeah, identical and sounds like him and is the same height as him. Yeah. What's the deal? How long? <laughs> Here's a question. Uh, how long was he back in 1955? A week? Yeah, but he, d- he did a lot of stuff in that week. It's a lot of impact. That's true. Um, I would say this. Teenagers are just wild narcissists. I would say that they just, this kid was out of their lives as fast as he was in their lives. They were going off and probably getting married at 18 or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And um, this kid was just, he's just gone. And maybe, maybe Doc Brown did, you know, enough to remove his presence as well for the rest. You know, maybe any picture that was taken, he hunted down. True. Maybe he, um, uh, refer to him by a different name. Cause you know, obviously doc Brown was around doing weird stuff too. Um, and he would be, he would have to realize that he's got to repair the continuum. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, in my, fan I, fiction, I think what's, I think what's creepier and what's funny is this, this is, um, on my, uh, back to the future three is on my list. Uh, one of my choices. Oh, okay. And uh, it's on my choice because, uh, in back to the future three, um, well, let me finish my first point, then get to my pick. Um, his uh, Marty McFly's like grandparents look ex- exactly like him, or great grandparents, or mm-hmm. whatever. There must have been like, there's a family resemblance that, that obviously oh. they're going for that, like, is keep just gets passed down from generation to generation within the, these McFlies. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he probably looks like some sort of other family member from long before too. You think that, I think that speaks to Richard's point. Like, how do you, how is this person not recognized in some way? Cause they all look, they all look the same. Yeah. There was a conceit in, uh, oh, what I want to say is in my fan fiction, the Avengers and mm. men in black have visited the same city in the intervening time. So they might be just thinking, great, another time traveler. And yeah. they were just like, I had already forgotten about Calvin Klein since then. Um, <laughs> I think, what was it? Summersby, uh, I guess it's not a plot twist, but maybe it's a kind of a different difference in eras in which there weren't there wasn't photography. There wasn't like um, I think the central conceit of Summersby is that a character leaves to go fight in the Civil War, and then four years later he comes back, and it's not him actually. It's somebody who had had a, a slight similarity, visual similarity to them. It's Richard Gere who's who it is, right? Um, but it was before fo- photography. You know, so it was before, yeah. you know, nobody had this, a, a 
thing in their hand that showed exactly what this person looked. No, I guess it wasn't before photography because there is. Well, it's at the very beginning of photography. the advent. Yeah, it was the Civil War, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they just didn't even know they didn't have a common, you know, like a record or an archive. No, it, it ain't worth. Yeah, and also, but also, yeah. like if you're like poor, you're not getting pictures taken of you. Yeah, that's true. Um, so my choice for Back to the Future Three is so he has to travel back in time to the uh, what you it the the old west, the 1850s yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah, 1880s, something like that. 1870s. I have no idea. And Doc Brown buries this DeLorean that he went back in time with in this old mine shaft for Marty to find one day, right? So he can go back in time to save him. Well, he goes, does he even send him back or does he just send it to, to be destroyed? I don't know. He should have just destroyed this thing if he didn't want it to be found again. Yeah. So Marty finds this DeLorean, goes back to in time, and then like the fuel line breaks. Now, here's the thing. There's currently, and then they can't figure out how to like uh, fix it, right? So they have to build this ridiculous steam engine and they have to push it along these railroad tracks and yada, yada, yada. But when they're back in time, there should be two DeLoreans at the same time there that mm -hmm. they could have salvaged parts from. They could have just gotten that other one and saved Doc Brown. Hmm. You didn't have to go through all this Michigas of... Hmm. All this stuff. There's two DeLoreans back there. Hmm. But then, you know what? When I was watching the movie, I didn't think about this once. This is just something that I read afterwards. It yeah. started to be like, okay, yeah. Well, that wouldn't be a fun movie, would it? No, yeah. I just go back in time and immediately solve the, the issue. And then, mm -hmm. here we go. All right. Back to the Future 4. Uh, uh, you you know. created a 20-minute long movie, Michael. Yeah, yes. I think sometimes the plot hole is the conceit of the entire mm. uh, story, like, um, well, Gilligan's Island. You yes. Got a, a guy can make coconuts into a radio. Yes. And they can't fix a hole on a boat. And, this and the fact thing. they're only three hours off of the mainland. Three hours off Catalina or whatever. Uh, so funny. Uh, okay, what's your second then? Because we've got Michael's... Yeah, I had my first. I had two. Richard gets had two. Uh, yeah, I love yeah. that we're attacking these big franchises too, because you'd think with all these. Well, we know of another uh, venerable, long-running, multifaceted franchise in which they're fixing all these plot holes um, in in the Star Wars saga. Oh, whatnot. Star Wars! Do you say? <laughs> oh, oh, you happen to mention uh, Star Wars? Well, <laughs> let's talk about Episode Three. And let's talk about okay. the plot point that Obi-Wan has decided to protect Luke and uh, has made this his uh, main mission in life. So what does he do? Well, obviously he changes Luke's name, right? Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> obviously he takes him to a planet far, far away and that Darth Vader would never think to look at and has no, con no, no. connection. Wrong. <laughs> No, he just changes his first name to Ben, but keeps the Kenobi. Yeah. Okay. Goes with, keeps Luke Skywalker last name, and then takes him back to Darth Vader's home planet. This is a collection of bad ideas. <laughs> and takes him back to his, his family to live in the same place that uh, Anakin pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. knows pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it took that long for Darth Vader 
to meet Luke Skywalker says as much about Darth Vader's incompetence as it does about Obi-Wan's. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know what these, uh, these... These are the most powerful pe- pe- Jedis on the yeah. planet? Yeah. And they they couldn't figure this out? That is funny, because like in the uh, latest three ep- series, you know, the, the Kylo and Rey relationship is actually kind of they're kind of being facilitated through snoke right he's created this kind of psychic bond between them Mm -hmm. and stuff like that like i wonder now i'm just kind of addressing that plot point would a star wars uh uh fan say that uh palpatine had put up a barrier or something between all him and vader and his kids or something Mm. like that well yeah yeah so far as, as much as we know palpatine doesn't know the emperor doesn't know that they that the kids were still alive because he'd try to get them to his side. He'd you know he was trying to replace Darth Vader, as as far as we know. Since the guy that he you know he he went to get a new car, he had the shiny new car in Anakin Skywalker, and then he came home and it was like by the time he drove it off the lot, this thing was dented and beat up and yeah. got hit by a car. And you know it was like, what are you gonna do? That's that's. Put a, put a suit of armor on it. I, I guess that's... Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, that's one of those things where, like, it's... George Lucas is a very interesting fellow who has constantly kind of changed and mm-hmm. uh, went around and updated his version of history on how these things were all created. So, like, you know, I don't think he ever expected those sorts of questions to be yeah. asked, especially with... Um, you know, uh, you know, Luke and Leia weren't like known to be brother and sister until they decided it. Yeah. To like making Empire Strikes Back, or he didn't decide Darth Vader was his father until much late. You know, all these things like came up came apart after the fact. But yeah, I mean, really strange to, to not. Yeah. <laughs> How many Skywalkers are out there? Maybe it's just that the you know maybe Skywalker and Kenobi is just the most common last name, right? In the galaxy, <laughs> it's the Smith and Jones. So maybe they're just like you know Luke Skywalker is like yeah I'm uh, I'm here at Tashi Station. I'm Luke Skywalker. Oh yeah, over there. There's a uh, Todd Skywalker's over there. He's picking mm-hmm. some stuff up. There's uh, Jimmy Skywalker. Who's that guy? That's Ben Kenobi. Who's, who's that guy? That's a uh, Todd. Yeah. I understand that Jimmy Skywalker is dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy J.J. Skywalker. Um, Do you think that plot holes are a a, um, kind of an occupational hazard of big kind of genre storytelling where we're playing fast and loose? We're hopping from one galaxy to another with... uh, you know, this kind of broad strokes. It almost feels like, and, and I almost feel like even with George Lucas, the um, the only crime he really committed was making a timelessly enduring uh, set of films that would be <laughs> scrutinized over and over. Yeah. Jack Frost. I don't, when we were talking about that movie, I don't think we were talking about plot holes. Wait, or were we? I forget if we were talking about plot holes. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a, a painting. The, the Mona Lisa it hangs on the wall. Does it? Can it stand up to centuries of scrutiny? I don't know. Uh, we want to talk about this big gaping plot hole in the Mount Rushmore podcast, and that is the audience. Uh, we're uh, 
<laughs> we're trying to reach so many more people and we need your help. Could you share the Matt Rushmore podcast with all your friends and family? And then, hey, if you got a fun topic suggestion, let us know. We'd love to find out uh, your ideas for the topics that we can pursue in 2023. Oh my goodness. Holy yeah. Moly. Did we have one this year? No. No. Wow. No, shit. On. Okay. Yeah. Pull your weight. Pull your... I know you're okay. <laughs> You're a little sick of doing all the work ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Audience. Yeah. Come on. Audience. Okay. okay. So I guess that's uh um that's now three. We're now to Michael's third. Is that what yep. it is? Yeah. Michael's okay. third. Okay. Okay. My third one is uh Toy Story and the way that Buzz uh Buzz Lightyear uh, reacts to humans coming into the room the same way that all toys react by freezing yet the entire conceit of the you know his character arc is not knowing he's a toy yeah and you spend Mm. this entire movie you know he's played with by this Mm -hmm. by andy and all these you know humans are around and every time a human's around he freezes like he's a toy because he is a toy but then he goes right back to being like oh yeah uh i'm not a toy so does he just get like blackout drunk in those stages is he just like browning out and just has uh-huh. no does he go into like a fugue state does he not know what's happening in those moments does yeah. his like brain shut off yeah not that he has a brain but does whatever magical toy yeah. stuff um i understand that it's a kid's movie and that's part of the fun mm-hmm. and i it's one of those things that i didn't even think about until starting to think about it like i didn't i didn't i wasn't even ever concerned that oh yeah the toys just they just stop their natural toy inclination is to um i don't know maybe if there was a giant that came around my my inclination would just be to freeze mm-hmm. and stop moving if they came yeah. and picked me up and flew me around the room i'd be like oh okay uh yeah uh, uh, uh yeah, i have the same question about the hulk like what does he do like what does he know from thing to thing what were you mm-hmm. saying richard Oh, I was just going to say, I do think that it is something like a subconscious in the back of his head. He knows he's a toy. Mm. Yeah. It, but so there's something about being a toy that it's almost like an override. Mm. Yeah. That sort of like kicks in no matter what you think you're consciously what you think you are. There's something about being a toy that makes you it's it's like a forced thing. It's not something mm. that he's that he's doing necessarily. It's just something that's happening to him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it is kind of like a blackout state in a sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A protective trauma or response to trauma or. or yes. yes. Okay. That makes sense. Well, they should have written, they should have had this entire scene where they explain it in the movie, where they slowed everything down yeah. for maybe a good three <laughs> minutes. <laughs> where, they just, where they just go over the details, the rules of, okay, this is what can happen and this is what can't happen. And as you see right here, here, I'm going to pull up this diagram. Mm, You're like, mm-hmm. the person comes in the room, you automatically are thing. But you have a choice to be conscious again. And then you also, but but not these toys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's I, I think that's the thing about, you know, these plot holes or these things that aren't that aren't explained. We're it's an entertainment. It's a movie. You're watching something for, for to see uh tom hanks and tim allen you're not you don't need you don't need everything laid out and if it doesn't line up perfectly it's hey that's okay but man are there people that love to just not be okay with anything yeah well let me ask you guys this because this is where it gets to the next my next choice here i think there's a difference in the nature of 
plot holes. And maybe I, I was alluding to this earlier uh, with my first yeah. choice. Where there are plot holes that are annoying, and then there are plot holes that make you question everything you'd seen in the movie up to that point. Hmm. Um, you know, there are things like, like I, I would argue that the one that you just mentioned with Toy Story. Yeah, it's moderately annoying, but you can it it doesn't it doesn't ruin the whole point of the movie necessarily, especially if you have a movie that is built on a major reveal plot twist and said plot twist is so dumb and poorly conceived that you just go, Oh really? Uh, and nobody is the king of that more than M night Shyamalan. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so I am going with the movie signs. Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) exactly what you're going to say, because if you're an alien, yeah. And the one thing that can kill you is water. Mm-hmm. And you're researching a planet to take over. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you look at Earth, and you see that sucker is 71% water. Yeah. And has an atmosphere with frequent water and yeah. everything else and a life life forces or life creatures that need water to exist. Mm-hmm. I'm staying the fuck as far away from that planet as possible. Yeah. There have to be hundreds of inhabitable planets that you can take over. That show up have no water on them whatsoever. Show up in a raincoat, an alien raincoat. <laughs> yeah, simple enough. They, yeah. they don't they have LL beans in space? Yeah, yeah. You would think <laughs> LL beans. <laughs> I also like could you could have landed anywhere on Earth, right? Mm. Like, how about a desert? Right. Yeah. How about these places that like are famous for not having water? Mm-hmm. No, I'm gonna go to um. I don't know, Poison Town, USA, where all <laughs> right. they should have been attacking people on boats. Waterville, literally. Yeah. Well, the Shemaline, I think, is the expert at hiding the obvious thing. Like, take mm. the obvious thing and hide it. The thing that you makes you face palm at the end, uh, or he was in the first couple movies. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I gotta say though, like the storytelling, that was one movie that. Um, I remember just being scared as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the frustrating part about Signs, is yeah. that it's a really good movie. Yeah. Up until that reveal. And then you put two seconds of thought into it, and you go, wait a second. Yeah. What was I just, why did I just watch this if the the big, the whole raison d'etre yeah. of the movie is to get you to this big plot twist at the end? or the big reveal at the end. And the reveal is so backwards and asinine. Mm -hmm. It just makes you feel like that you got cheated out of watching. You you got cheated out of being able to watch a really good movie because the ending was so bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's interesting too, maybe these, maybe this doesn't support the ridiculousness of this, but it seems even more ridiculous to me that Mel Gibson's character is having a crisis of faith, questioning, I think he's a minister or something who's questioning the meaning of life. Uh, why does all this bad stuff happen? Is Maybe it's what whatever. But his faith is being challenged, and there's a series of uh, ac- actions that end up, I think, making him believe everything happens for a reason. And his daughter 
who always wants a glass of water but never drinks it or there's a couple of different things is his his brother's a baseball player there's a bunch of like things that end up helping them defeat the alien person she has she has asthma to the daughter and she has asthma yeah so she can't uh, yeah. be exposed to their toxic farts yes. or whatever it is yeah toxic farts so i think he's he sees that as oh god's god works in mysterious ways but all of it was justified um but God also sends is this the same God that sends stupid aliens to a water planet? <laughs> you know, like, is, does that that just seems stupid to me? Right. Yeah. Um, Michael, what's your final? Well, I'm also going to stick with creatures and water and all the ridiculous wow. rules built into them. The rules behind the Gremlins in the Gremlins movie. Oh, okay, wow. okay. Which, um. Again, the, it's funny. I didn't. I didn't connect the two until you started talking about how ridiculous it is that um, these creatures can't get wet when they touch any sort of liquid. They multiply. The entire planet is this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, moisture. Does moisture? Does that is is does that not affect them when they're outside and yeah. walking around? It's a mild rash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, you know. Okay, the sunlight and the light one fine sunlight that old vampire trope that's Mm -hmm. great love it Mm -hmm. but then the not eating after midnight is just so arbitrary (laughs) it's so Mm -hmm. nonsensical it it is just so ridiculous i mean i understand they're written in because it's also a fantasy movie and um uh you gotta make these things uh really difficult to care for and have all these different triggers that doesn't just turn them from um, you know, uh, from multiplying, but then transforming into these hideous green things. Uh, but just like the whole arbitrariness of um, after midnight as a, like it could have been when the sun goes down, they can't eat when, you know, whatever it is. Right. But no, it had to be midnight. And then that's like, okay. So that, you know, the gremlins monkey with the clocks and he doesn't know what time it is. If it was and, keep them away from uh, Tang instant breakfast drink, then yeah. it's something that's in their world, but they could have a, you know, they could they can avoid. But if it's keep it away from water, then it's just a convenient plot device. Yes. Yeah. 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 And and what about daylight savings time? Yeah. Are they? <laughs> are, well, yeah. Do, do gremlins fun. follow that or not? I'm not sure. Um, one of the best movie sequels that has ever come about is uh, the movie Gremlins Two, which is just this Looney Tunes style, uh, <laughs> yeah. like. Uh, they take that one scene from the first Gremlins movie where they're in the bar and they're kind of like, they've multiplied and they they're have all these different characters and they just, they're just, okay, let's do an entire movie. That is that scene. Uh, it's so great. Uh, Joe Dante, I think is the director. And um, they even have a conversation that, that kind of mirrors this. Like they're uh, Billy is explaining to the people in like the clamp tower about the rules and they're going like, yeah, but what happens if they eat something and something gets stuck in your teeth? Technically, mm-hmm. you didn't eat anything, and it just falls in. And they're just like, you know, they're picking apart this thing while the, you know, two seconds later the gremlins uh, attack. But um, yeah, just um, I guess I've had a habit of choosing a bunch of things that are um, like not necessarily things that ruin a movie, but just like mm-hmm. make you say, okay, well, all right. 
<sighs> Versus <laughs> me, I think my choices are the bigger ones that make you question the whole yes. fabric of the movie itself. Hmm. And that's also true of my last pick, Good which segue. is Good Raiders. I'm a, I'm a pro here. Yeah. Podcasting pro. How many years we've been doing this now? Somebody's got to be. <laughs> Learned a couple of tricks. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. The entire movie is a plot hole. <laughs> because if Indy knows that opening the arc leads to everyone's face getting melted off, mm-hmm. why are we so concerned about the Nazis getting said arc? Wouldn't we want them to have the arc? Please have this arc as a gift. Make sure Hitler's there when while you open it. He'll well, he want to see this. Does he? Does he know exactly what's going to happen? Well, he knows it's he kinda... bad. <laughs> he knows it's bad because he does tells he Marion to, to look, make sure to look away. Yeah. So obviously he knows that there's some bad, something bad that you shouldn't be looking at is in there. It's never established how he knows this. Or what exactly he how much he knows of it, but he knows something, which would have been nice for him to tell Marion at some point before they get kidnapped. Yeah, but it just sort of makes me question the whole: Why are we so concerned about this arc in the first place? If we know that the Nazis really can't use it because the second they open it up, they're all going to turn into wax figurines mm-hmm. that got too close to a candle. Hmm. I, I I guess I would wonder if he thinks a do they know that and or b is it something that we learn to weaponize like the first person who just kind of set match to gunpowder what does this do <laughs> he probably blew up True, uh, but there might be somebody kind of on his on his uh, uh block who was able to observe and say well don't do what larry did um and let's find a way to uh direct this power um i i hear what you mean like i i guess i would say indy doesn't know that they don't know that? True. That's Maybe? that's very possible. Okay. But just the Maybe. whole thing. The whole thing is, we go through the whole movie, and Indy eventually, essentially, fails at his job. Yeah. But it's okay because here comes, uh, here comes the red herring or whatever you want to call yeah. it. The, mm-hmm. you know, the, well, what's what's that called when it's just sort of an act of God? Oh, the Deus sort of, Ex Machina. The Deus, yeah. Deus, Deus Ex Machina. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, this here comes the Dusek Machina mm-hmm. to save everybody at the last minute, and maybe that's more of that than a plot hole. But I, I just mm-hmm. the whole, the whole thing has always bothered me. Yeah, I think that's the kind of the pop culture commentary I've read is that uh, um, Indiana Jones is a hero and he's very active, but he has no impact whatsoever on the plot of this movie because everything would have happened, everything that happens would have happened whether he was there. Yeah, or not from the, from the idol to the ark, all those things. There's somebody taking it out of his hands and doing it anyway. I think I think uh, Indy's heroism in the movie or his motivation too becomes trying to save Marion. Or or um, I think when he's mm-hmm. first, you know, when he's first approached by the government, you know, he's like, "Why why are you coming after me?" Uh, 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 Abner Ravenwood's the person. Yeah, and they I think they tell him that he was like killed. Mm-hmm. Or or whatever. So like he, I think he's motivated, yes, to stop the Nazis, but also mm-hmm. I think because of his personal relationship with uh, Marion and her father, and like trying to uh, do whatever. Isn't it weird that we picked 
all movies with Harrison Ford in them because he played he was a which gremlin was he he was he was, was the he smoking spider? gremlin no, he, was, yeah. he, he was the one that opens his he was the flashing gremlin yeah I thought he was the barfly one but I, I barfly could... one <laughs> I, I think he was in the same uh, gang with um flea in back to the future <laughs> yes right <laughs> intimidating also... local nerds he was also the um the the alien that um it's killed in the basement of uh, science. <laughs> also played Rexy in Toy Story. Many people think yeah. it's Wallace Shawn, but it's actually Harrison Ford doing a Wallace Shawn voice. Very convincing. <laughs> and you couldn't get away with it at the time, but um, uh, Harrison Ford playing Mr. Miyagi was uh, interesting casting. Absolutely. Yeah, we wouldn't yeah. do it again now, but yeah. hey, he's a big name. Big name. <laughs> Okay, well, hey, we did it. Um, I know I kind of wimped out last time uh, by not picking any uh, things, but I'll just pick. Uh, uh, let's just do back. Jeez, I told my wife. Sorry. Yeah, restart that. Um. Yeah. Um. So uh, I know I kind of uh, wimped out um, by not picking anything last week and giving you both four, but that's not that's not who I am this time around. I'm a, a different You're a changed guy. man. Yeah, I've changed man. Uh, so let's do go with the things that had Harrison Ford in it. Raiders, Star Wars, and those are two Richard joints, I think, here. And let's do go with Back to the Future. Because, um, well, I guess we can get... So that's three for Richard, and that's one for Michael? Is that what does that mean? That was that, is that what that means? Um, Did you give four? Do I need, do I need to give four? Uh, well, I had, a back, I had a Back to the Future you take had a back from to the future. number three, so if you wanted but to... Gremlins, because it's G2, baby. Is she too? <laughs> uh, God, that's one of the funniest Key and Peele sketches, too. Um, okay, this has been the Mount Rushmore of Plot Holes. I'm always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Mike. All right, dudes. All right. Thanks.